Hello, I am Gordon James, local missional leader and reader at St James with St Thomas. I've chosen some verses from the letter of James. Then I'm going to reflect on a book named after a place a few hundred yards from where I live. James chapter 2, beginning at the first verse. My brothers and sisters, do you, with your acts of favouritism, really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing fine clothes and say, have a seat here, please, while to the one who's poor you say, stand there or sit at my feet, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he had promised to those who love him? But you have dishonoured the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into court? Is it not they who blaspheme the excellent name that was invoked over you? You do well if you really fulfil the royal law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. When I first read George Orwell's The Road to Wigan Pier, I'd never visited Wigan, knew nobody who lived here, and despite having lived much of my life in Greater Manchester, I was unaware that Wigan was part of Greater Manchester. I assumed that it was officially, rather than just culturally, in Lancashire. I know that that book has a mixed reputation here in the town. Orwell was a near destitute member of the middle class when he visited, and he tended to encounter not ordinary settled working class people, but rather the struggling few at the very bottom of society, and his picture of Wigan is somewhat distorted by this. As he says in chapter 10, for someone like himself, Nothing is easier than to be bosom pals with a pickpocket if you know where to look for him, but it is very difficult to be bosom pals with a bricklayer. Even so, Orwell says some things about Wigan and the northwest of England in general in the 1930s, which I think have lessons for us in the 2020s. In chapter 5, he noted that extreme poverty took a very different form in towns like Wigan, from that which it took in London. Even in a town the size of Liverpool or Manchester, you are struck by the fewness of the beggars. London is a sort of whirlpool which draws derelict people towards it, and it is so vast that life there is solitary and anonymous. Until you break the law, nobody will take any notice of you. And you can go to pieces, as you could not possibly do in a place where you had neighbours who knew you. But in the industrial towns, the old communal way of life has not yet broken up. Tradition is still strong and almost everyone has a family. Potentially, therefore, a home. In a town of 50,000 or 100,000 inhabitants, there is no casual and, as it were, unaccounted for population. Nobody sleeping in the streets, for instance. 
So many things are much better now than in the 1930s. We have the NHS, welfare benefits, free compulsory schooling and training from to 18 rather than 14. Most ordinary people can live a decent life and expect a decent old age. Yet, begging and rust sleeping are persistent realities in our cities and towns. The old communal way of life has indeed broken up now. Or it mostly has broken up. A lot of the old institutions have gone. The clubs are fewer, trade unions seem distant to most and irrelevant to many. When I took a part-time retirement job at Screwfix, I joined Usdor as a matter of course. But I don't think it occurred to any of my younger colleagues to do the same. But we, the churches, are still here. Thinner on the ground and with smaller congregations in the 1930s, but still here. In the 1930s, there are professional, with a capital P, people living in the posher bits of poor areas, especially those who serve the community, doctors, teachers, pharmacists. Now they can commute in, but the clergy are still here. When I worshipped at St Christopher's on the old council estate in Manchester, I preached to a congregation which included a university professor and a man with learning difficulties whose job was to sweep up leaves at a university. And I strove to say something which would be useful to both of them. Where else would two such people meet as equals? Brexit exposed just how divided our society has become. But as followers of Jesus, we are as a church to show the values not of the world, but of God's kingdom. I don't think that this is peripheral to the gospel. In our Bible passage today, James is quite clear that social divisions have no place in the church. And Paul tells the Corinthians, who were shaming the poor in their very celebration of Holy Communion, that when they gather, it is not really to eat the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 20. The St. James Centre is not currently open for worship. We have instead prioritised providing food to those who are in need. Oh, my mistake. That means it is open for worship. Let us pray. And we say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. So let us go with God's blessing. Bless your people, Lord, who wait for the gift of your compassion. Grant that what they desire by your inspiration they may receive through your goodness. Lord, we your people pray for the gift of your holy blessing. 
to ward off every harm and to bring fulfilment to every right desire. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.